November 16th, the week of, I am your host, Rose, with me, is Jonathan Fonsky once again. Ah, I'm back. Hi, everybody. That was really loud. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's fine. You know, we just have to crack. It's probably fine. Uh, hi, folks. I'm finally back. I moved into a new house. Uh, my, I have a desk so i can sit and record audio uh I'm, that's fucking crazy it's nuts i'm so, i'm so excited to be back though i'm gonna be honest i it's like every week since i've been away i've been like man i want to do a podcast oh it's become such a part of my routine and taking that away was so like it it it, it, it i lost a lot of structure in my life so hopefully mm-hmm. This reintroduces it, and hopefully we can have a good time. Hell yeah. Uh, speaking of good time, Maverick's been having a great time today, definitely. Uh, how's it going over there? Im- imagine if I just, like, audibly hurled again. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that would be really good. <laughs> just ralphed right on the mic. Oh, that'd be horrible for oh, me. Oh, no. Now, um, doing great. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing really fucking good today. No, um... <laughs> Had it. <laughs> Some dude wandered off the street and took your mic. And just, <laughs> yeah. Hey, can I be a part of this podcast? I I remember when I was watching Trigun back in my college dormitory. <laughs> uh, but uh, I had a sick day today. It, what a surprise! Maverick's not at work. Uh, you know. But anyway, I'm feeling better tonight, and I'm ready to talk about a thing that I care about. Japanimation. Alright. Oh, yeah. Hell yes. The big new thing. You know, I was just reading that article that LV yeah, posted uh, yeah, who's hello. here, by the way. Which Hi, LV. Which article? Uh, the one you posted about the subtitlers oh, oh, um, tra- and why they're so little. Tra- and that translators was leaving the industry in droves. Yeah, that, that was yeah, specifically like, the headline. I knew why. The Guardian. Uh, yes, I wonder why. 
<laughs> yeah, like it, it makes sense, uh-huh. but it was definitely the type of thing where it's like, oh, I I kind of had the vibe that it was like more popular than ever, but like, wow, it's like insanely popular right now, like subtitled works mm-hmm. and stuff. I think people are finally getting over themselves mm-hmm. and trying to check it out. I wonder how much of that was Parasite's influence, right? Honestly, right? I honestly, yeah, I, I think more uh, Korean uh, based media or Korean originated media being accessible. It's the K-pop shit yeah, too, it's the right? K-pop like, probably. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like groups doing. So- I mean, and that, they've always done that, uh, where groups do songs in different languages for you know where they feel like, oh, they have a huge audience and huge fan base. So like they like I, I like a lot of groups like a lot of, a lot of the older bigger groups have always done songs like in a, like a Mandarin version, you know, because like oh we have like songs popular to Chinese audience, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. And also because sometimes those groups, too, are people not from Korea. They're, like, actually nationally from a different country in the Asian continent. Um, but, yeah, there's somehow K-pop did something nice. I mean, not, not to be mean. No, it, it has it has certainly caused, like, a, an avalanche of other nice things in terms of, like, yeah. globalizing certain creative works. But for sure. It, it, there, then, but then, yeah, there's the other side where the article goes into where... Um, um, you know, it, which is relevant to me having this conversation with a coworker actually the other day who, you know, we both talk about anime and like we, we've been, wa- we've, we've been, all, we also kind of keep track of like the season stuff. He's pretty regular with watching stuff as well. Um, and yeah, just complaining about the quality of like subtitles in a lot of anime and how Netflix is just really fucking bad still to this point, even though it seems yeah, like they're absolutely. getting more, uh, getting more, you know, having a better understanding of like how the anime consumer works. Like, so like, you know, as Maverick was talking about in some of the stuff he is watching where they're actually like putting stuff weekly, you know, they're not like encouraging the binge watching model now for some newer titles they have card. But yes, uh, in lieu of like also, you know, like a couple of years back. Oh God, was it a couple years back? I don't know, but I'm just thinking again about the Evangelion dub controversy and their weird, I don't know what was going on with their their choice of translation with that and like whatever the translator they worked with chose, you know, for instance, just a lot of strange things going on. And you hear that too with how Squid Game has been super popular and a lot of people complaining at how it, it just, it just completely destroyed the nuance of like what the what the Korean language was trying to do <laughs> with certain like dialogue choices uh-huh. that the English translation for some reason went to. And yeah, how the captioning, the closed captioning is also different from the side, you know, it's a whole mess. And basically long yeah. story short, the, the article went into, yes, there's now a heavy need for more translators and subtitles, subtitle workers for like, for now, like this wider distribution of international media to like different countries, etc. But unfortunately, there's so much media that needs that. Uh, the, 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 the filling in demand of like actual translators to be employed and working is like, it's it's not, those spots are not being filled quick enough. In addition to the fact that a lot of them are leaving due to burnout. And I wonder why, because, you know, mm-hmm. the thing about the con- Crunchyroll ongoing controversy where they don't pay their freelancers well, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, the bad side is really bad. <laughs> There's so many issues, like in yeah, you know, other stuff like games, like Arknight. Yeah, so they outsource having, it to translators who are not as well, as efficient, or are not even outsourced. Oh yeah, like they just find someone They're on staff, like, which is what happened with Arknights, where yeah. it's like, oh, they speak English, so you can translate. Oh this yeah, all. or it's just like, in house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, and and that yeah. doesn't work for yeah, a language like Japanese, where it requires like so like 
it re- really requires, like, I'm sure, you know, not to posit certain languages against gender, but for sure, like, something like Spanish versus Japanese are two different things in terms of, like, oh, yeah, learning, context like, and yeah, like, accessibility yeah. to learn. Spanish is very, very accessible to learn, like, you, at least, you know, like, you look at the United States demographic, where there's a lot of people who speak Spanish naturally, and it's like, okay, you could just grab someone, <laughs> one out of five, they know Spanish, you know, likely. Um, whereas Japanese, it's like, a, a, a native English speaker who also speaks Japanese is a much, like, lower percentage chance for, to find someone in the U.S. with that background, you know? And, like, who does it well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, certainly, that should explain the state of things. Um, if anyone's interested in actually reading that article, it is an article on The Guardian. Um, and, yeah, I think I it's called something it. like Translators Are Leaving in Droves. Um, and it, yeah. <laughs> or so, yeah, it's, it, it sounds really baity and, like, but, unfortunately, it actually is true to what it talks about. Yeah. Um, because it even goes into, like, other languages. Like, oh, this, it, it, they interviewed, like, one German, and they, they, they quote, like, one translator who, who, who does German. Um, and, yeah, they were complaining about, like, yeah, I don't get paid well, even though I love doing this. Um, <laughs> so it's like a... Yeah, it's a real mess. Like, you'd hope, I mean, the nature of capitalism is obviously, hey, we don't want to pay workers. This thing is, this is too much to spend on this, but the marketing people can get a million, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you'd hope that hopefully more and more studios, I know it's, I, w- I saw recently during COVID, a lot of people were actually starting to big, make um, new voice direction studios right. for dubs and stuff like that. Yeah. Like Tales of Arise right. was like a new studio and stuff like that, so... Maybe that will eventually, you know, go out into hiring translators and actually paying them, one could hope. Who knows? Everything's the most, the best-selling version of everything, but less and less is put into them. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, uh, let's see here. John, do you want to start with something since you've been gone for so long? You can talk about <laughs> one of your beloved on programs. Mission. Was on a mission. Yeah, you can talk about your mission. <laughs> I don't know. We made up fake missions for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure I, were real. I heard some of that. To an extent. Because uh, I, I did edit some of the podcasts even though I was gone. So I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? What are they making me do, say? Um, I mean, I guess I could talk really quick. I mean, I'll probably talk about it more on the actual podcast. But yeah, I moved to Texas. Um, it's a big, it was a big deal. It took me a good long while to get like my room situated to get everything set up, but it's done for the most part. You know, I have like shelves and shit. Look, the anime figures are out of the boxes. So I feel like that shows that I have reached a place where I'm comfortable here. (laughs) Um, but you know, I, I, I will say I haven't watched too much. Because I have just been very busy unpacking and doing all kinds of stuff. So I haven't really had the time to, like, step aside, watch anime. Um, but I did watch a few things. And I guess I could get started on uh, on, on one of them, which, uh, you know, you would, you would think that I would keep up with Pokemon. I did not do that. I did keep up with Digimon, though. So I I'm a I'm a turncoat here. I'm I'm playing I'm yeah, playing the other side. Or... Yeah. Fucking fake fan. <laughs> no. <laughs> I love both, but I will say Digimon has been a bit more of an interest for me lately because of the card game. Like I've been playing the card game, so I've been, you know, kind of born to Digimon, but we'll see with I mean, look, Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl is not going to be a good game. 
but it is going to be a Pokemon game, so it is going to make my eyes glaze over, and I'm going to turn into a zombie while I'm playing that game, so don't be nice to me. <laughs> um, but yes, Digimon Ghost Game has been going on for a few weeks now. Uh, I don't know, ha- have have any of you uh, watched any of it? Do any do any of you have an opinion on Ghost I Game? I watched the first two episodes. Uh, All right. I have not, but we were asked a question about the little baby creature. <laughs> That is yeah. part of the show, which I think you should His answer at the end of this. The little brother. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. Shoeless. <laughs> Shoeless sent in a question that was just talk about Gamelmon for a minute now? or two. Do you want I, to just answer it now since look, we're talking about Digimon? Yeah. Shoeless asked me to talk about Gamelmon for a little bit. That is just going to happen. All right. You don't have to ask for that. It's just going to happen. All right. So <laughs> your wish is my command, Shoeless. Uh Digimon Ghost Game is the new Digimon series. Um, I would say it feels a lot like Season 3 Tamers, um, just in its concept. Um, I think that it's maybe not trying to sort of, like, cast as wide of a net. It's It's not trying to tackle anything too heavy yet. But I do appreciate what it's going for with the visuals and with its, uh... It's it's sort of uh, attitude because it feels like it's trying to be more towards the horror side. It's definitely not like legitimately a horror thing, but the basic plot is that these Digimon are appearing in the real world as hologram ghosts and they are interacting with the world in harmful ways, but most of the time it's not really on purpose it's just like, for example, uh, well, for example, the first episode was just like a malevolent Digimon where it was tr- stealing time from people. It was Clockmon. So it would just hit you with its, I don't know if you've seen Clockmon. It's like the guy, it's like a guy like hanging out the top of a clock and he's got like a big hammer because it's supposed to be like, you know, like hitting the, the bells on the, on the alarm clock. And so he just hit you with the hammer and then he would just make you old and he would steal your time away. Oh, just like scary. the beach, yeah. Just like the beach, yeah, just that, like made the beach that makes you old. <laughs> He's the Digimon that makes you old. Oh, shit. Um, but then, alternatively, there was an episode where with Mummy Mon in it, where he was capturing people and turning them into mummies. But the reason why he was doing it was because he was seeing people who were sick. And, you know, who were, like, tired from work and all that. And he misconstrued the process of mummification as a cure. He thought that that was, that was b- helping some—he he thought he was helping people by doing that. He thought he was being a doctor. And so then when they just explained it to him, like, no, you see, mummification was something that happened when people died— you can you can help people out in other ways. He was like, "Oh, okay, I'll f- I'll figure out a way to help people instead of doing that." Like, so they kind of switch back and forth between like, "Yeah, this guy's an actual dick," or "This guy just doesn't understand what's go- what he's doing." Um, but uh, just the way that it's presented, it is presented in a sort of like monster of the week, almost slasher of the week sort of thing, because people are getting like kidnapped and attacked by these Digimon. And it is very much presented as if, yeah, like it, it, it feels like a, like a lot of these shots are shot like it kind of would be in a slasher fic or fic flick, a slasher flick. Um, you know, it, I, again, I would not call it like 
on par with with like the greats or anything like i i saw halloween for the first time on halloween this year that shit was great you know i I, i'm i'm just saying like i could definitely see that they like watched stuff like halloween and were like yeah let's make this kind of like shot like a horror movie um but it is also very much just a digimon show for kids and you know they're 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 having fun with it um and it's it's just an enjoyable time. It's just an enjoyable time overall. Yeah, so to talk about Gammon. Gammon is the main boy's partner. Um you know, he's a little rookie. He's uh, he's just a cute little guy. He's fucking adorable. He's constantly getting up up to all kinds of shenanigans, you know. I, I again again to kind of like compare to Tamers. He definitely feels a lot like Gilmon, except I would say he's he's a bit he's a lot more naive than Gilmon, which is saying a lot. Um like Gilmon was very much just like, "Oh yeah, like I don't really know what's going on, but you know, I he, like I I feel like Gilmon is like a dog and Gammon is like a small child." I think that is the way that I would describe it. Um like Gilmon you just you would just kind of have to like walk him around on a leash, but Gammon is like you know, I'm. I, 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 if I if I if I put if if I showed Gammon some PBS kids, he'd fucking love it. You know, um, <laughs> he'd want to see Zabumafu. Um, <laughs> but no, he's 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 super cute. He's definitely like one of the highlights of the show. Um, the two other Digimon, the the main girl has this big Totoro looking bunny. Um, I, I don't remember his name. I think it's like Alf. Furmon, something like that. Um, sure. I'm looking it up right now because I don't want to sound like a dumbass, even though I kind of do already. It is. Come on. Characters. Angoramon. It is Angoramon. Yeah, he looks like Totoro. He's like smart. He knows all the other Digimon that are like coming in. He knows their like abilities and stuff. So he's kind of like the smart guy. And he can also fly by like spinning his bunny ears and um the uh the third character is this guy named kiyoshiro who is a chuni like straight up has the arm arm wraps and everything and he's also a hacker um and his digimon partner is jellymon who uh shoeless here who sent in the question here has been basically describing as nagatoro because she is just constantly bullying her her uh her partner here um this is sicko stuff it, by the way they need to put a stop to it, it it's it's a it's a it's a bit it's i don't know if i'd say it's a I bit much in it's, general yeah, i mean at large yeah you're right um it's a little much i wouldn't say it's crossed any lines yet but it's kind of like i don't know what y'all are doing here y'all should be a little careful here uh, let's when when this when this when jellymon gets to ultimate level I think that's when we're going to have to be like, all right, pump the brakes. Because <laughs> that's when she's going to be like a big old sexual woman who's going to like be like, oh, oh, my partner, I'm going to wrap you up in my tentacles. Ho, ho, ho. Like, that's what it's going to be like. And that's when we're going to be like, all right, you can you can relax a little bit here. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, but, yeah, so, but yeah, so far it has just been like a monster of the week thing, um, which is still very fun. Um, they, yeah, but the, I, I wouldn't say that they have really set up a general conceit yet beyond these Digimon are coming into the world and they don't really know what they're doing. But we'll see. 
Uh, they are tying it with that uh, those those uh, those wristbands that they started selling over in Japan. I think they might be getting localized over here. That they're basically just like Fitbits, but as you walk, you get like you know you can race your Digimon as you're walking. So mm. you know it's it's kind of like what Pokemon Go does with their like Go bands and all that. Except I think they are trying to make it way more integrated with the fitness aspect. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know exactly how that's shaking out, but you know, I mean, Digimon was always Tamagotchi. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm still kind of surprised when I tell people, yeah, 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 like it's the same people that made Tamagotchi. It's just Digimon was supposed to be the one for boys, you know. But you know, ev- everyone likes Tamagotchi and everyone likes Digimon. So you know what? Like, like I, I feel like they they were tackling it with that closed-minded. Oh, we got to separate it, but nowadays it's just like, hey, we got two fucking cakes here, and they're both delicious. Like I, like I, like I, I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm like a big fan of Tamagotchi, but I, I like to see little Tamagotchis here and there. But Digimon, Digimon's my thing, and Digimon, like I, I know so many people who love Digimon of all of all of all kinds. So yes, check out Ghost Game. I think it is fun. It's pretty well animated you know if you're just in the if you miss the kind of digimon that you watched as a kid this is this this is that like if you want to reminisce about tamers specifically it feels a lot like tamers so i i'd check it out i'm again don't expect it to maybe go as deep as tamers at least not yet but it's still pretty good I'll probably check in with it mm-hmm. more later. Uh, I do like the little guy, though. I do like that little guy. We love Game Mon in this um, house. Yeah, you gotta. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, Maverick, who is the freak on Comey? What is the freak alert? <coughs> Yo, we got a fucking freak alert. Freak alert. <laughs> Uh-oh. 1-800-494-FREAK for this motherfucking freak. So... In the latest episode of Comey Can't Communicate, we had uh, one, so, nice little, like, two-parter segment. One featuring uh, one character, uh, Makaru Yadano, a uh, self-opposed rival of sorts to Comey, trying to compete in, um, trying to compete in the school physical with Comey. No, I'm not entirely sure what it means to compete at a physical with somebody. <laughs> Neither do most people in this situation. Especially not Komi, because she doesn't know she exists. Uh, <clears throat> but fun little sequence to see uh, just someone be like, oh, I'm going to try and do my best at being a different weight than my rival, I guess. Or... Doing okay at the vision uh, exam. And ultimately just is a fun little gag to set up for the rest of the episode, which focuses on um, our, our plucky young protagonist, Tadano, trying to, you know, get himself ready for the day. And then he gets fucking disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> Literally just what? disappeared, absconded with, abducted. By none other than the series uh, certified freak, seven days a week, Ren Yamai. Uh, the uh, person that I had alluded to the last time I talked about, Komi, who is the, uh, uh, I would say has a fixation on Komi. 
Um, anytime that she sees Tadano near, Komi just continuously calls him trash and wishes for his death. And, you know, this was a moment where action, thoughts led to action and <laughs> Ren abducts Tadano and literally ties him up in her room so that she can spend the day hanging out with Komi. Okay. And trying to be her friend. All the while, you know, the self-appointed, socially anxious Komi is just like, what the fuck's going on? What's what's happening here? I don't know if I like this. And it, it is a, you know, the series so far has been playing this as like a specific type of gag and a, eh, in a way where, you know, it's equal parts um, a, I would say it, it fits a style of narrative similar to uh, Kaguya-sama, where it can feel like a gag-a-day kind of a, a setup, but all these little gags connect into a grander narrative along the way. Just that uh, Komi is calling it shot earlier and starting to have these developments build up uh, a bit more uh, recently. And so... You know, what is sort of just the uh, series Yandere, uh, Renyamai, just very much like ramping it up in a way where even someone like everybody's childhood friend, Najimi Osana, is like getting threatened and she's kind of just like, what the fuck? Like, what? what's going on here? I'm not a fan of this. By the way, where's Tadano? He's the only person that understands you right now, Komi. I don't know what the fuck you're thinking when he's not here. What's going on? I'm scared. I'm calling my mom. <laughs> like, it, just small unravelings about what's happening so far. And ultimately, um, throughout this episode, uh, Najimi is like, Hey, can we go to your place, Ren? And Ren's like, why? You know, <laughs> it just feel like... You've been stressed or something's on your mind. Wouldn't mind some time to, like, talk about it. And Komi will be there, too. And so, <laughs> um, I also got to mention that along the way, the, the show just decides to do a 24 parody. Um, like, the, like with a clock with a clock, oh. With a clock and the beep. <laughs> it just does a full-on 24 parody. All right. And what's... Okay. Yeah, I respect it. it just why? Why? Because they can. This? Yeah. Because they can. They just <laughs> opted for it. <laughs> but uh, ultimately, you know, Ren is at odds with like, okay, so do I let them come into my house? I know I got to take care of uh, the Tadano situation. I also, you know, as a certified freak, have photos of every single time that I've seen Komi through the goddamn school. I'm not being subtle about this. But also, I can have Komi have her essence on my bed and all this great no. stuff. So, uh, no. Do I choose to be a pervert one way or do I choose to be a pervert the other way? Uh, ultimately, I choose to be a pervert the other way. And so, um, invites them over, but then is quickly just putting away the photos. Literally shoves Tadano into the closet. Because keep in mind, he is like gagged and tied to a chair. And... They are, they're playing up the severity of this, you know, uh, in a way where it's just like in the fun little threatening of like, hey, do you like the ocean or do you like the woods? And he's just like, yeah, I, I like the woods. All right, cool. I'll make sure to bury you there. And then 
Uh, uh. Just so many threats where, you know, eventually Najimi and Komi are in her room, and as soon as he realizes this, just starts immediately banging on the closet door trying to get their attention. Um, Ren go- stops out to make tea, threatens Najimi be like, I hope you don't touch the closet door. Immediately, she goes <laughs> to touch the closet door, because, you know, something's up, finds Tadano, and then... Uh, in a very, I would say, interesting way to bridge the comedy that they are very much trying to get out of the situation with some very solid character development, there is a moment of conflict where it's like, you know, Ren is just full-on freak-out mode. Nobody should know about this. I'm gonna, like, do all this stuff. And then Komi just is very adamantly, like... Hey, uh, through like, um, right, she's at a point where like she can at least write out messages to people, and it's like, um, or I, I think like Ren is ultimately like, oh, I'll be your friend, like, we can be our best friends or whatever, and like, just very much like forcing, just still being forceful about the situation. Uh, Komi shakes her head no, writes out that they're gonna be leaving, helps. Tadano get out of his uh, situation, runs out, they head out, uh, and uh, funnily enough, uh, Najimi gets left behind with Ren, which there is some build-up onto that later, and then the next scene is actually getting the chance to unpack the moment where it's like, hey, this happened because you want to be friends with me, and I don't know if that's actually like a smart idea because I don't want to put you in any more harm. And then Tadano being like, I mean, shit's wild, but ultimately I still want to be a friend. Like, I still want to be your friend. And then Komi actually says out loud, like, I would like to be a friend with you too. And then, of course, they wrap it all up by trying to be like, hey, uh, Ren, I guess you can also be a friend. Dial it back a little bit, I guess. Not entirely, because you're still going to drive humor from that. But, um... And honestly, like, was surprised that in the middle of all of this absurdity, there was a moment where you have this very socially anxious character in a very um, active scenario. Just take the lead to be able to say, like, this isn't cool. Uh, I'm going to head out and don't make <laughs> me do things that I don't want to do. And, you know, again, like, it's still very much like airing itself in a lot of its comedy hmm. but those moments where it still wants to take the time to flesh out its characters and provide more balance to what's going on where you know even if Ren is going to be in the Yandere role so to say or just like the very obsessive fan of Komi they're at least doing it in a way that's still like or they have at least crossed the threshold of like okay this is like the lowest that this character is going to go anything that comes up from there it's going to be reflective of that and it can at least be done in a way that's more i mean i don't know if it's going to be better but it's at least going to be reflective of the fact that it's like okay this character is going to try to not be immediately that again cuz now they know that there's a consequence for it that consequence being like, oh, Comey doesn't want to be friends with me if I'm like that. Mm-hmm. So it was neat. I liked it. Again, ball, like uh, 
good on you for making a 24 reference in the middle of your 2021 anime. <laughs> I I was trying to remember. I feel like there was another anime that made a twenty four reference, but I like I genuinely have not been able to remember it right now. It's definitely a pull. It like what was it? It's just an insane pull. Like because it's like good luck getting American teens, let alone Japanese teens, to get it right. Like what? Is it? <laughs> no, it was so hyper. It literally just two screens of it happening too. Cause it's just like showing you what the current time is in yeah, relation to like the shit that's going down. But yeah, just like this is a school full of freaks. <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, I, I would say most most high schools are just a place full of freaks, if I'm being real with you. But yeah, yeah. it's fine. Let me think. I was trying to think of a freak transition, but I don't know. Uh, LV, yeah. what's going on? Uh, I you, can what? I can think of a good freak transition. Okay, what's uh, a good freak transition? Okay, so there's like two titles here where I think it's it's potentially good. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with. The office ladies are fucking horny this season. There are there are multiple yeah. office lady themed anime, and all of them are horny, like on varying degrees, like like legitimately like well, male gaze, very sexual, borderline like. Well, not I don't know from the bits I've seen of this other one, which I totally forgot. There's like one where it's outright like one of those POV shows. No, oh, no, and yeah, yeah it's, Doki it's Chan, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. No, yeah. it's not. There's a different one. It's not Doki Chan. No, Doki Chan is a different thing. From what I'm thinking of, there's at least three Office Lady titles going on this season. I forgot the other one, but the other one is very much like, yeah, um, this is based, you know, it's like based off the work of some like erotic artist, etc. Um, and it's just, again, a clip, sh- it's just a short thing where you're, you're watching this and I guess you're going on dates with these girls and shenanigans happen. Oh, oh no. Doki-chan is like, also horny um, on a different level in which um, <coughs> the the title character Doki, as who is referred to as Doki John in the title um, forgot her actual full name. Um, she is an office lady and she is also horny um, for one of her coworkers. And much of this, and again, it's a similar mini series where the episodes are just like short, brief, briefers. You know, I, this probably airs at night or something in between commercials during the adults' hour or whatever, uh, <laughs> the adults' prime time slot. And um, she's just horny for this man with no actual face. He does, he has no yep. face. <laughs> yeah, th- th- those are, th- from what I recall, those are based on the, th- that that is also made by a pretty popular artist that I see yeah. on Twitter all the it's time. It's the Miru tights. Yeah. Yeah. It's that guy. Yeah. And, um, she, um, it's interesting because the art style does look different compared to that. But yeah, she's, it's just her trying to bag this guy. Like, and he just, and she's like, damn, why didn't he get, why didn't he get what I was doing? I totally wanted to have sex with him. You know, it's just like, what is wrong with this woman? Why isn't she just, like 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 so, like what the first episode they uh oh we accidentally booked the same hotel room because we're on oh, like a business shit. trip oh shit and she's like going her way out like oh maybe 
I, I'm, I'm going to go to the bathroom and change it to the into like my good lingerie just in case we decide to strip down. And it is twisted. I, she's having. <laughs> and then later on in the rest of the series, from I understand in the other episodes, she's again trying to compete. She she's actually weirdly competing with other women in the office space for the same faceless man, who <laughs> who's just like being normal, like just just chilling out, like like I'll absolutely freak shit she's going to a ramen restaurant i guess for lunch i don't know and then she sees like i don't know if it's a co-worker or just some other like woman she knows i don't remember like uh eating with the guy and then like I, she's aware that they each have like crushes on him and it's they just start having like a shitty like competitive like catty thing going on passive aggressively we're like oh she she ends up leaving the restaurant and then she's like i don't know it's just it's just what i I had like I had like weird expectations of her. She was thinking like, is this like a female gazy thing or is it, is it a male? Like I I don't know who this is for because there are moments where like yeah it, it's very fan survey see where it focuses on her a lot, nothing on the guy who again is not a character. Like he is he is mm-hmm. literally he has no face. He's a but at the same time, we're in her perspective. Like mm-hmm. I, it's it's very strange. Uh, you know. So I've been seeing art. This fucking artist's bit because this is a long-running image series, quote-unquote, yeah. on Twitter for, like, the last five fucking years or something. Right. And it is, like, insanity-inducing to me, because, like you said, this guy is not a character. The entire gimmick is she has a crush on this guy. They keep introducing women who want to fuck this yeah. guy that she has to, like, fight because right. it's, like, a weird NTR thing now. Uh-huh. Oh, I see. it just never ends. And it is just, I don't understand the appeal <laughs> They're of it. Adults. I'm going to be real with you right now. I just don't get it. They're adults. I don't, they can just talk to him. Oh my God, It seems it's so like bad. it's for the type of people who, like, they see a show where, like, a dude falls on a girl's breasts or something. And they and freak they think out. that's, like, the funniest thing ever yeah. that that happened in the anime. And that's what these images are for. Uh-huh. <sighs> see, I don't okay, know. I, maybe, I, okay here's my thing i feel like the anime is for that i almost feel like the images are just kind of like i i feel like you're not supposed to think about it too much you're just supposed to kind of be like yeah here's these cute girls they're in this situation you know whatever that's insane i can't wrap my mind around that. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm not really into it either don't get me wrong but it's just like i just kind of feel like it's you're, you're supposed to just be like yeah here's the girls whatever they're they're, they're here now it reminds me of like the thing that are what I was talking about in the uh, video game podcast last week when I was talking a bit about uh, Cold Steel, where it's just like, you know, if this woman is spending a lot of time being like fixated on the attractiveness and like sexuality, like the idea that like God, this other woman is so hot, I can't believe that she's using that hotness for um, the guy that I'm after. I guess. Uh, it, it feels like you're skipping the part where you realize, like, oh, I guess she's hot because I like her. Yeah. You know, because no one wants to give you the <laughs> right. language there's to actually... A lot of, there's a lot of questions I just <laughs> going on in this show. Um, that said, I think there is hope for the Office Lady genre. We have a lot of other, you know, we have good series in this genre. These two, I don't think are. Um, you know, Agretzico exists, for instance. Um, 
But another one that's going on this season that I actually would recommend, and it's far off the spectrum of horny, but for sure it tackles romance specifically, is My oh, Senpai yeah. is Annoying. Mm-hmm. It is. Good. It is very it is good. good. Um, and yeah. the title can the title sounds a little eh? like you know it's like one of those you know again first person ti- first person perspective titles are like oh is this like catering to a specific thing? It's like no, it actually isn't. But there, you know, there is kind of like a dynamic that I think a lot of people, especially in like fanfic writing and like you know just like certain tropes, like in which it's basically very small person with very big person, and that is excellent. I think that's per- perfect mm-hmm. peak peak you peak pair dynamic, wonderful trope. It's um, good. And the whole yeah, and again, the whole premise is actually pretty normal, you know, besides the the extremities of like these two character sizes, which is the whole bit throughout the series. In which, um, um, this off, you know, this office woman, uh, you know, like she, I don't, again, like the, the Kohai senpai relationship in Japan is not quite, I don't want to compare it to manager, you know, junior in the, like the US working force. Like, I don't think it's quite that, but also it kind of is, you know, I just, just want to be careful with that. But essentially, like, um, she works under the, she she works under this person who is really big and he just genuinely just cares about her. He like cares about her well-being. She's like new to the company, but she's also doing very well. Um and um and then like in the first episode it ends with them going to the bar and she like, you know, he she she, she she's drunk and she's like she ends up sp- accidentally spraying out a little bit about her feelings to to him and you know, he's he said he says something like like, oh, you know, I kind of see you like a kid. And she says something, like, in response in her drunken, like, haze. Like, oh, why don't you see me as, like, your wife instead? And she was like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. You know? Um, and the next day, like, again, it's one of those things where it kind of reset. You know, the relationship reset. They have lunch together. And they're just having a great time. They have, like, a very healthy working relationship where they have lunch together. They're checking on each other's work. And he says, like, oh, no, you were, you know, he just says, he reassures, like, oh, no, you were drunk. I, you say stupid, people say stupid shit when they're drunk. You're fine. And she's like, oh, thank God. But for sure, <laughs> like, as the series is passing, you know, series is going, like, it, she, it is very clear she likes this man. He is generally a nice guy. Um, and, you know, we see other dynamics in their office space, too, like her coworker, who is also seems like she has some sort of, like, relationship pending with this other guy who's very quiet, but he's also very inquisitive and insightful. Um, who's also very good in stepping in in regards to, like, the, the more, like, perverted, like, coworkers, you know, he's, he's, compared to, like, uh, the rest of them, he kind of, like, cancels out, like, their, you know, what's going on with them, and, uh, she, and then she, on the other hand, you know, who looks more like, you know, who's taller and, like, more proportionally an adult, you know, like, again, there's the whole, again, there's a big boob joke here, that's her, that's her bit, you know, people are like, oh, she's, like, really protractive, and also she has big boobs, like, oh, boy, um, and it's just nice to see her having like kind of this interesting back and forth with this other co- you know other guy. Um, so, so yeah, like you know the main character who you know like otherwise is is aware of her size. She, it's very much it's not something that takes up like the majority of the series, but like in the second episode, for instance, like it 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 does it is brought up as like an insecurity she has, and it's one of those like boob comparison bits but i don't think it was you know at first it's like oh god it's one of those like why why did we resort to that so quickly in the second episode but i felt like how it panned out made sense especially in the context of like yeah she's an adult but she really like is very small and i can imagine too where 
she's coming to terms of having these romantic feelings for like this guy, but she she just feel she, she feels like insecure about like what you know, unfortunately, how society defines what a woman is, you know, like what a mature woman is. And, you know, there's this whole thing again where she's like she feels she there. there's like this whole thing where she feels inferior at work, but also inferior in terms of like her own person, like her own body because of like how small she is and just how like, again, she's kind of like new to the job and she's not sure if she's like also keeping up with things and she just wants to do her best. Also, in addition to impressing this guy, um, because, again, he like he's like above her directly. Um and it's a whole thing where we're like, yeah, we meet another, we meet a, a friend of hers who also is like considered attractive, also has a large chest. And the whole thing is like, she is just trying, she's just trying to compensate for it. Yeah, she like at some point gets like these squishy toys and she just puts it in her shirt. <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, like, you know, she, and she just, you know, her friend like lets her, is like, okay, you're going to be fucking weird about that, sure. Um, and, um, she and you know she goes home on a train she runs into her male co-workers and it's like oh shit i hope they don't fucking notice um and it just kind of caps off at the end of the episode where she just realizes that um you know not ultimately you know it's like i think her insecurity is gonna be something that re recurrently comes up throughout the series in addition to being like a bit um where she realizes yeah like people do like respect her like people do like appreciate her for being a hard worker and for being an adult you know like she is like people recognize she is an adult um you know there's at some point they're gonna introduce her, like her her grandfather is gonna come into more importance where she calls her grandfather who's like this really buff man really buff old man who talks about like no you know you're fine the way you are and again he's he's doing the whole grandpa bit where he's like oh i don't want to think about like my granddaughter in that way like i she's like so grown up etc all that um and yeah i i think like it, like yeah, again, it has, like, those moments you see often in, like, other comedy where it's like, oh, is this fan service? Like, what is going on? Or it's, like, a tired joke. But I think it, like, has handled something like that well in the context of, like, okay, this is, like, a setting of adults. And I think, like, you know, it, it, like, I think it could be, like, stuff like that could be executed better. But for sure, it makes sense where it's coming from as well. Where I think these are, I, I think it's coming from a place of, like, yeah, we, we do need to unpack, like, those, like, genuine concerns about, like, how her as a you know like her her concern as a woman and how she looks and like how she, how insecure she feels about like comparing herself to other people which again is interplaying with both how she you know how she is a worker at work and also just how she is as a person outside of work you know again there was a whole nother uh, thing too where when she was hanging out with the friend she was she she again she like again before she before she thought of the create the idea to put the toys in her shirt she was like oh this is cute she's she's someone who also kind of has like you know a room filled with stuffed animals etc whereas the friend is a little more, more mature and calm and collected you know it's it's like a lot of those things uh it's like it's like it's challenging a lot of those notions of what an adult means and what a, an adult is expected to be and how to act so yeah it's i i don't know it's it's, it's just otherwise like very it, it's just another very good series, I think. Like, so far, it's I feel like it, it does a good job of, like, um, grounding stuff like that while also still being lighthearted. And, yeah, all the characters are just, like, nice. Like, everyone's, like, nice. Like, you know, like, uh, like and again, compared to, like, Doki-chan and the other, like, the other thing, I still can't think of the title of. Um, it's not pitting women against each other for, in a weird way. <laughs> That's thankfully another thing. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's so far, like, a very... It, it's so far, like, a, a, another interesting series revolving around adults, where I also don't think it's too heavy either to go into. It's not going to go into, like, oh, yes, 
overworking. I think it will at some point. I think it's going to do that. But uh, <laughs> so, so far, it's really like a nice, a nice little like series to squee over. Like, oh yeah, again, if you like tiny person plus big person, <laughs> you, that that's this is that this is that. Here you go. Take this. <laughs> Just very good character dynamics, I think. Yeah, I can second that. I've only seen two episodes, but it is very enjoyable. Good opening. Oh, yeah, well. it is so good. The opening and ending. Yeah, very fun. Yeah, yeah, both. Yeah, it's it's good. It's fo- it's good, folks. Um, you know, speaking of office ladies, actually, uh, the Aquarium anime has transitioned into a full office lady <gasps> situation. Um, what? Basically oh, the yeah, the Aquarium is gone. Think- yeah, the aquarium's gone. <laughs> They're in an office now. Um, oh shit! They no, no. They all got jobs at a, at the new aquarium, like the big city aquarium oh. that opened up. Um, which was like the main reason the grandpa closed it. He was like, "Oh, you know, you guys, I can just set you guys up with jobs at uh the, this new aquarium, and I'll, we can immigrate our fish there or whatever stuff like that." Um, but yeah, um, so the main the main character, a blue hair girl, Kukuru. Uh, who was, like, the runner of the aquarium for its last year of existence, uh, fucking was put into marketing department. Uh, uh. So all she does all day is work at a computer and do stuff. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, her beloved uh, sister, quotation marks here, uh, the idol girl, Fuka, is actually a normal attendant for the peng- for the penguins and like a couple other fish um which is insane to me just conceptually because she you know was with them for like two months or something so she has two months total of experience versus like an entire life but you know realistic to how jobs work uh because she's an idol so obviously they went for the vanity pick right where they want her out there with, with the penguin exhibit just standing there um but yeah so far it has just been this really weird thing where it's just like the main girl going through it basically like just suffering just non-stop uh because where she's like i mean she's working a marketing job i'm sure that's she's like... working in marketing <laughs> which is miserable enough yes. but like also like she's seemingly the only person who does anything in marketing <laughs> Um, even though they pretend like it's not, that's not the case, but they like, they tend to stack up that, a department like that. Like in every place yeah. I work, the marketing department is like a huge priority to have to always like fill yeah. up. And, but also and, the turnover rate for marketing is also huge unsurprisingly. So I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. <laughs> to an extent, it like sort of made sense why the dude put her in marketing. Cause like the idea was like, oh, well the entire time that she was doing the, like last year of the aquarium, she was organizing events, right? She was doing all this like planning stuff trying to draw people in and it was like mostly successful for the most part um so it was like i get that but it is kind of fucked (laughs) that she got put there but it really is just her suffering her constantly like trying to make plans and then other people just being like you know what i don't like your plan and then she goes back to her boss and the boss is like well this is your fault and it's like wow this is so real like why is this (laughs) happening now I just wanted, like, the show, the the title of the show is White Aquatope on the Sand, or Aquatope on the White Sand, uh, Two Girls Who Met in the Ruins of a Fallen Dream, and that is really what what this feels like. For the second season? (laughs) 
No, that's just what it's been called the whole oh time. Oh my gosh. Um, show titles yeah. that go hard. <laughs> yeah, really though. And this is an original work. At times it really does feel like I think where the show fails, and this is where a lot of anime fail for me, is it just like it really is a lot of the problems where it's like I don't think it's a problem that happens in a lot of anime where people don't talk to each other. I think people are talking to each other. I think it's the problem where people act in really unrealistic ways. Um so here's an example. There's a character who was introduced in the first season one that was basically a, this woman who was like, she was coming from the big aquarium and she was doing like a learning thing, right? She's supposed to come and learn from this aquarium that's been running for years. Um, and she was like a huge like asshole to all of them. She was like, oh, you, you guys just work for fun. I have to work for money and stuff like that or whatever. You don't get it. And then she's just been, like, really just belligerent ever since they, like, all moved over there and stuff like that. And then it's like, oh, well, the reason she's mad is because she's a single mom. And she is, like, working extremely hard between this job and other stuff. Like, basically trying to take care of her sick kid. And it's like, okay, that's fair. But, like, she is, like, a huge, like, she is, like, seeking out trouble actively. And, like, there'll just be times where she's like, oh, no, I can't make it to my shift, but I can't tell them I have a child. And it's like, what do you mean? What do you mean you can't tell them you have a child? Like, it's so weird. Um, and there's just, like, a lot of stuff like that, where it's just, like, people are fighting for no reason. People are being really unreasonable. No one, like, no one wants to, like... Like, people are willing to talk to each other and learn, and then everything's resolved pretty quickly. Like, things get resolved in an episode instead of episodes, but it's very much like a, why did they act this way? It doesn't make any sense, you know? Like, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it is mostly just been a too-real-workplace analysis now instead of fun aquarium thing. They've stopped alluding to the ghosts that you could see at the old aquarium. I guess that doesn't matter anymore. This show really feels like it has the vibes of most original anime of recent times where it is totally making it up as it goes. Uh-huh. Um, and it's fine. It has, it has some fun bits, but I think ultimately it is like suffering from them not having a good idea of what they wanted to do with it. It really does feel like it's being made up as it goes. It sounds like it could. It sounds like it really could have been. Well, yeah. Also thinking about like the weird magic stuff you're talking about, where that like, yeah. are, like it sounds like again, where you know less about like too many ideas that don't make sense to each other, but more like they did not pace out in proper like what how you know how are these series of events gonna work events gonna work it, like it would be, yeah it, it sounds like a very interesting story where it, like oh it actually it actually it actually culminates in a very upsetting way and now here are the characters having to deal with that and maybe at some point things will turn around like right in the middle of the series but it sounds like the transition to it was just very jarring and doesn't make a lot of sense yeah. and, and in conjunction with what you said the characters are not acting rationally in a way that's yeah. just <laughs> like how normal people should it's act it's definitely the problem where it's like I think like you can make a compelling work that's about like right like hey like about failure they wanted to do these things yeah. yeah they wanted to do these things and neither of them succeeded like the idol girl stopped being an idol because of like the harassment she received and like stalking and other stuff like that um but then like I don't like she's doing fine they they don't really explore like her side of things where she's like upset about anything um and 
like most of the show is focused on Kukuru, where it's like Kukuru is like, you know, it, it's interesting that she is basically stuck in this position now, right? But it like doesn't make sense how she got there, even if there are reasoning. Like it doesn't make sense. Like she was referred to by her grandfather to this place for her skills as an aquarium attendant. Like it would make way more sense for like the other people from the aquarium to be in bad spots and then her to be like lucking it out basically. I think if you were going realistically here, if you're going realistically here, Mm -hmm. nepotism always wins. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. And I don't think that's what's happening here. Instead it's like, Oh no, the person who has the most skills is actually like, are not the per the, yeah whatever like all the everyone else is fine but then like the nepotism pick she's just like she's suffering out there and it's like that never happens man okay right especially <laughs> it never happens. especially in the context of like how the system of the Japanese workforce also works I feel yeah. like she would have been if she's still working in office she would be in a position probably where she wouldn't be unhappy right I think I think like <laughs> like that would be interesting to explore where she's like oh yeah she's like someone's someone's manager i don't know like yeah in a department where she wouldn't be unhappy or something i don't know i mean she is also literally like fresh out of high school though right right so i imagine seniority does play a little bit right to some extent there where yeah okay yeah sure you're in marketing but you know yeah people right from the way that it sounds like it i can at least see the disparity of it maybe or it's like oh what if idol girl actually is interested in ways to like work from an insular or like less um outward facing perspective what if they did just like switch jobs for a day or whatever and then the ceo with his big cigar or whatever the fuck saw like oh wow numbers are going up see i, I just I, I can't see that happening with the current setup because right. it's like the dude who is in charge of the aquarium just gen is like some foreign dude who they have like you know a guy doing a very like fake Japanese accent. Ohio Guzaimasu. Like, exactly. Oreno Namaewa Jack Hanging out. Yeah, he's just hanging out. And it it really feels like it's just like, hey, this guy doesn't give a fuck, basically. And that's why everything ends up the way it is. Right. Like like he 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 says stuff like, Oh, I thought that Kukuru would like being in marketing because uh my good buddy is the manager of marketing and he reminds me of her grandfather and I think they'll get along great or whatever. And the dude is literally like just ruining her life. Like straight (laughs) up. Like he is like doing nothing. He is just sitting there and just like yelling at her all the time. And it's like, well, this is a realistic work environment, but it's like everyone just buys what this guy says, I guess basically. And it's just so weird. Right. It's really weird. Uh, program. Um, the the one the one thing that I'm most depressed about is they added like a like a butch girl in the aquarium who's like oh like there's a there's a main character dude who's like afraid of girls or whatever and he was like oh I love hanging out with this girl and they made the joke haha you know whatever oh no he found out she was a girl and now he's scared of her oh, but God. I was hoping they would do like anything else with that and they really haven't done anything with it she just wears like guy clothes all the time uh huh. I forgot and to wear my like, like oh she's the she's the prince in our little marketing thing. Forgot Whatever. to drink it's my like, fearing women uh, juice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, no, the Clark I, Kent I, I don't, glasses. Yeah, she she yeah, took them off. That, like, oh, she's a girl now. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. <laughs> I just don't think there's enough uh 
character development for what they're going through right now. Like, there was a good episode with that that mean girl where it's like, hey, she's a single mom. Everyone figures out how it, how what that is like, how to deal with it. But it's like, I feel like, you know, you hear someone's a single mom and you immediately go, oh, okay, I get it now. Whereas, like, they're like, I don't understand. Is it that hard to raise a baby? And it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. Like, like, why is that? What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, why is that weird? Why is that foreign? a foreign concept today, especially? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, the main character girl really didn't like this woman because she just literally has only insulted her to her face and made her life worse, <laughs> which I get it. So that it's like, she was like, you know, I'll try to understand it and babysit for a day or whatever. And she has a miserable time. But the idol girl, like, tells the other woman that she's doing this. But she says it in the most insane way where she goes to her house and says, you know, right now, Cuckoo is finding out what it's like to be a mom. <laughs> and the girl goes, what? And then the idol girl gets up and leaves. And I was just thinking about how fucked up that was. <laughs> like, to say to someone, and then they just leave. Like... It was really fucked. And there's just a lot of weird conversations like that where it feels like, you know, this is what I'm saying. They write out the scene, right? And they're like, I don't know how to end this. Like, how would a normal conversation actually end so that it just goes to the next thing? Because, <laughs> like, you know, you you, you see something like, like a conversation like that wouldn't happen. The other person would be like, hey, wait, wait, what? Wait, hey, no, come back here. <laughs> like, uh, it's very strange. Um but yeah, it, like, it's still entertaining, like, it's still interesting to a degree with how it talks about aquariums and stuff like that, that's something that's not really explored, but it is just, like, I feel like they really lost the plot, and this just always happens with original works, doesn't it? It just, it just always happens. <sighs> um, you know... Speaking of original works, you said before the show, Maverick, uh, that Tack Top has a fascist now. Uh, that's great. What's going on with that? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, honestly, I was thinking about it. Let me do a two for one. I'll go from Tack to then get into okay. Blue. It's my artist corner, Maverick's artist corner. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, uh, what is it? The last two episodes of Tack Top from when I last uh, had cut up, you know, we had uh, finished with getting uh the sense for where this journey is starting they have to get to new york to meet up mm-hmm. with the main um symphonica that uh you know deals with all the music arts just to help out with this rare occurrence that happened with uh the music art destiny and tact the, the way that their happenstance again very uh fma style just sort of like a situation to preserve someone's life ultimately leading to a lot of loss but then still something to gain uh in one of the two recent episodes uh they end up in louisiana just as a chance to like uh, rest for a bit get to um do some uh work around the town uh, honestly a very like personal like uh slower episode it gives Tact the space to really explore like his feelings as a musician, recognizing that a lot of people in this uh, era of having to live without music as a primary like source of anything, lest you literally just summon a horde of alien monsters. Uh, you know, people 
still try to find ways to incorporate music in their lives, but ultimately it's still going to be difficult. But also, you figure it out in Louisiana, one of the places where, you know, they very much say is the birthplace of jazz, the birthplace of having to create your music on the low because of the fact that you don't know who's going to be listening or not. And provide some background for Tact uh, is at least a fun way to give some insight into how he's feeling about the whole situation, where ultimately as a, not only as a musician, but just like as someone that creates music, you know, he does want to live up to that legacy of sorts, but then is also having to do so in a way where like he still is trying to figure out what he wants as a musician. And the uh, other hand of all that, uh, Destiny grappling with the fact that she is learning, uh, sort of, just to, like how to be herself, given that she ultimately is, uh, is in the situation where, like, imagine if, um, Alphonse was, instead of still, like, his soul was preserved in, like, the suit of armor, it was just an entirely new being. It, just an entirely new person, but everyone's still recognized as... Uh, the former, like, person that everyone knew. And having to grapple with that disparity. Um, this highlighted through a scenario that her and uh, her sister, quote-unquote, forgetting her name right now, but it's fine. Um, they end up getting seen by a uh, woman on the streets who, like um, you learn later on, lost her daughter because her daughter was in New York at the time of the attacks. And that grief just, like, still sticks with her, where basically, like, if someone looks close enough like your daughter, just will think, like, oh my god, you're here, it's been so long, uh, yada yada yada, the dad, uh, husband in this relationship is like, this happened, and we're doing our best to, you know, do what we can. And so just a very mellow scene for both for just everyone involved, just getting a feel for just, like, what it is to just, like, live a day when there is no giant monster to fight or when there is no immediate threat to uh, the society that is still trying to set itself up. Next episode, uh, we find out real quick that, who I alluded to before, yeah, just big old fascist uh, within the Symphonica where, you know, Someone with a lot of great power, uh, when told about people in impoverished areas that need support, simply goes, oh, those are the dirty poor parts of the city. We don't need to take care of that. I don't need to worry myself about that. I need to make my grand image of what our society can be. And then the person above him is like, hey, you keep messing with like this dude whose dad was a very integral part of our society. I want you to stop doing that. Like, be gone, thought. And so, uh, Fascist has a meltdown, and we'll see that come up later on. Uh, from his time in Louisiana, Tact gets inspired to write his own original piece. And, you know, as artists are wont to do, once the focus is in sight, the drive can often lead to obsession and a difficulty to really focus on anything else. Destiny picks up on this and is doing what she can to try and help him even if she is not um immediately talking about it you know like he keeps tapping on the windows or on any surface he can find to try and figure out the rhythms that he wants to like write down 
Um, she doesn't tell him. Uh, instead gets her uh, older sister to present tact with this, but basically gives him a melodica to work out some of those rhythms and harmonies on, because better that than have nothing. Uh, is just being worried about him, like showing more of that concern in a way where the ultimate question is like, you know, I am somebody new, but I recognize that, you know, I inhabit this body of someone that I can tell is very dear to a lot of people. And this very immediate impasse that's coming in that personal relationship of like, this is someone new, but also mixed in with someone that I have a very a deep connection with. And then our own new relationship is also something that is like intrinsically connecting one another. How do you navigate those spaces? How do you navigate those feelings? And in the middle of all this tax, still trying to figure out that composition recognizing like you know his dad left him some advice that with anything that you write you have to think about the person that you want to write it for and in the middle of all that we cut to some uh d2 attacks uh our alien baddies are coming out and surprise surprise the fascist has the ability to summon d2s at any uh, location no matter what they are and has been using that for a while now and was even the instigator of the attack that ultimately took Kazette's life and got them on this whole journey. We ended on a cliffhanger of that ensuing battle, and so, you know, next week, who knows what's going to happen. I'm glad that there's been a ramp-up, and not just in the action, but just the stakes, because, you know, this isn't the first time MAPPA has had to do a music-related show. I immediately think back about the work done with uh, Kids on the Slope, just in the fact that, you know, two totally different shows when it comes to the way that they handle the conceit of music, but the uh, with Kids on the Slope, it being a slow-paced drama directed by Shinichiro Watanabe, there was a lot that went into that that made it effective. And then here, you know, it had some struggle to find its footing, and can still struggle to do that as an original anime as a tie-in to this entire franchise that they want to launch but I, I think it's finding a stride that i'm hoping it can keep up into the uh final parts of its uh plot and then just quick touchings on blue period just because it's still going on uh, right now, exams are coming up, and everyone is freaking the fuck out, as artists are wont to do. You know, uh, Yaguchi is struggling with the fact that he knows how to physically do art, is able to replicate scenes, is able to have that external aspect uh, pliable and tangible. But now the struggle is to find inspiration and to make his own interpretation of scenes and his own artwork this comes to a standstill where as the weeks are progressing you know um his teacher is starting to challenge him by saying like hey make um this art piece by thinking about what's in your imagination and put it onto the canvas do this piece that's based on you writing down a title and thinking about it uh, thinking about an artwork that would supplant the title just more abstract thinking in a way where he starts to struggle and amidst all of the art uh, 
people at the Institute breaking down because of the fact that they want to pass this exam and just a lot of overall stress. He starts to, or he takes the time to go back to the art club in his high school and takes the chance to do something a bit more fun with his time that ultimately, like, you know, lets him uh, flare out that creativity in a way where, oh, wow, like, I've made something that I feel proud of. And then, again, in trying to replicate it, gets himself stuck in this rut where he realizes, like, oh, shit, I just copied myself in the next piece that I tried to do. And that just left it even more devoid of that inspiration I originally had. And now with exams coming up with things ramping up, it's more just like figuring out why he chooses to do art and how he wants to do it. Oh God. And just a very good scene where, you know, as so much of this, um, Blue Period does a really good job of showcasing the way that just, like, the concept of doing art as a career can be very stressful. Where, again, I say, like, as exams are coming up, as everyone is trying to get ready to get into art school, just every other character is having a breakdown. Every other character is having some sort of, like, stressful situation put into them. And we get this scene with Yaguchi just in his room after having his um, piece that followed the uh, inspiration that he thought he had found just get completely, like, torn apart. And he's just sitting there hearing his mom talk about, like, you know, the costs and tuition are so high. I don't know if this is going to be the right thing, but I know that he likes it, so it's got to be right. And then he just has this, like, um, his own personal, like, meltdown where he tries to smoke the uh, pack of cigarettes that he has Keep in mind, he's, like, low-key delinquent, and then just tosses it aside, and it's just, like, you know, just because this is something I like doesn't mean it's always easy. And just a very palpable scene that ends that episode, and then I, I just really appreciate the steadfastness that is accompanying this space, especially because of the fact that it's not... Again, I, I think it's very easy for shows uh, for anime nowadays to set itself up in a very uh shonen styled roller coaster mm-hmm. you know things level up everyone has a specific power level or whatever and more so r- rather than do that blue period just re- recognizes that like yeah art it, doing art is hard there's no such thing as a perfect artist and because of that Everyone will have a solid day. Everyone will have an off day. Everyone can be an inspiration to one another. Everyone can be a thorn on someone else's side. You know, um, another character that Yaguchi slowly makes acquaintances with, uh, uh, Yotasuke, you know, they are very much foils to one another, where for Yotasuke, all he has is his impeccable art skills. He laments not having many friends. He laments not having that much of a social life. For Yaguchi, it's the fact that here is someone that is so talented and he wishes that he has that. And so the two just recognizing their lack of whatever it is that they lack, all the while recognizing, like, well, shit, I might as well keep you close. Um, Maki, the lead, uh, the the top performing artist in 
his uh in a Yaguji's prop course, haunted by the shadow of her family, who are all graduates of the Tokyo Art Institute or uh, the Tokyo University of the Arts. And so herself having her own shadow to fight through while Yaguchi also just recognizing like, no, dude, like you are someone that works completely separate from anything else I've seen of your family or of like anything else. And it it just is very, I don't know. it, It does a really solid job of getting to a heart in terms of wanting to call the way that art art can be difficult, art can be fucking suffering, but also there's a reason why artists do it. And in a similar way, tacked up, get to those points too, but Blue Period has definitely been steady in showing that aspect. Sounds pretty good. I'm... Especially glad that Tack Top actually has something going on. Again, not to bring this up every single fucking time, but like something like Listeners, which wears the aesthetics of music rather than like actually wanting to engage with what the ideas behind it are or like the intersection with things. And even just Blue Period as well, like something that examines art in a realistic way. It's like there's so much anime that is just couched in the aesthetics of everything that actually you know, dissecting and interacting with how it affects the individual person is something we should see more of. Yeah. Again, I'm tentative of how much Tactop wears his aesthetics versus dives into it, but I feel like it's a lot more, it's a lot more leveled in that aspect. You know, it's cool to see someone actually take out sheet music and start to compose in that way. Yeah. Right. It like for both titles, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's refreshing to see a more, individualistic kind of take on the process as opposed to like looking at it as a whole like you know there's there's been again i I think i alluded to this last time we talked about blue period where there's a lot yeah there's like a lot of good titles and stories that navigate yeah there's like shit going on in industry like things there there are things are bad people are being overworked people are stressed unpaid but like this is both of these titles actually um try to unpack what it's like actually in that specific position itself and the mindset of like what still drives someone to still keep going despite adversity and despite how institutionally things could be better that you know that are causing these like this these stress like these hardships like you know um for sure like thinking back to like oh god art school cramming it's not it's horrible it's actually it's absolutely bad it like makes you feel like shit that like that i think really imposes the issue of you comparing yourselves when you know people's you know and that's something i still have to unpack a lot and something i have to keep remembering and telling myself you know people's best is going to be different from your best you know like people's like like people at their like highest performance of making something is going to be very very different from yours and like you shouldn't feel bad if it's not that um you know it's it's a tricky balance between like knowing um it's a tricky balance of like ac- accepting like oh yeah that's like a great source of inspiration like I want to follow I want to achieve that I I def- you know, and like recognizing like, okay that's something I can achieve if I practice if I if I if I you know like condition myself more and like you know just explore all these formats in the media you know versus like oh acknowledging you have certain weak points and certain setbacks where like no I can never do that you know not quite never but more like. Um, it will be harder for me to do that compared to this person. Like everyone kind of has their own style and their own like programming in a way as weird as a, a weird word to say, but like innately, like we all have different ways to 
explore things creatively, whether it's like art, writing, etc. Yeah. So you know, someone yeah you know, again, like some like what someone does doesn't necessarily have to be your standard of like what is considered good. You know, unfortunately, it, it, yeah, it's 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 a subjective thing. Um, and yeah, it's it's reassuring to hear that blue period is like really like really good from like what you've been describing because again i haven't touched it yet um but certainly something i do want probably want to explore at some point um because from my understanding it's also still an ongoing manga so i'm sure like it's going to be hopefully something successful enough or it, it, it might be a longer out series you know a series more drawn out with more episodes perhaps we'll have to wait and see have to wait and see and then I'm gonna have the issue where like, or oh, it's, we. I mean, well, I guess you're watching it, but oh, I, I was started. gonna say, I was like, or we'll wait for Maverick. To <laughs> see. Right, and then it'll be like, oh, it's 20 episodes. Like, oh, I should start. Uh-huh. That. It's like it's far behind. Yep, you know, anything can happen <laughs> in the world of anime. <laughs> yeah, it could take a twist and go awful, but hopefully not. <laughs> Speaking of the world of anime and one of its oldest residents, John. What's going on with Lupin the Third? The way you said that makes me sound like I'm one of the most ancient anime uh, characters of all time. <laughs> you are. Yep. You're Goku. I'm, I'm looking down at my hands right now, and I'm just, like, visibly aging and animating at the same time. And then I look up in the mirror. The anime that makes you old. Yeah. You are Astro Boy. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Folks, they, they're doing another part of Lupin, and... It's it's kind of strange to think about that, like, they have been doing a lot of, like, you know, parts for Lupin. Like, part three was quite a while ago. Like, Pink Jacket was a while ago. Um, but, you know, like, Lupin has been a consistent thing over the years. You know, they've had the OVAs, they've had the movies, but now they've been very consistently making new actual parts of the show. And I think that it has been consistently good. Like, I think part four was sensational. I think part five was pretty good. And so far, part six is just great. Um, same old classic Lupin. You're not gonna... If, if, if you are not a fan of Lupin, which I, I don't know how you could not be, but if you're not, you're not gonna find anything really different here, so don't worry about it. But if you're a fan of Lupin, guess what? They're doing more of it, and it's still fucking good. This time... They seem to be uh, wanting to like focus on getting different people in to write episodes of uh, of the show, which uh, I'm always a, a big fan of. You know, like doing, you know, letting other people kind of come in, try their own stuff. Um, like that's pretty neat. Uh, the main thrust of this show, at least the first episode, is about Lupin up against. Sherlock Holmes, who they are claiming is basically just like I, I guess they're trying to say that Sherlock Holmes is just like James Bond in this universe where it's like, oh yeah, there's been other Sherlock Holmes. It's like a title. Um uh-huh. okay. But also there is something to do with his his partner who was killed ten years ago. Uh, and it seems like Lupin was the one who killed him. And so Sherlock has been taking care of his partner's daughter, Lily, since she was four. And she, like, you know, kind of lost the memory of her dad dying. But then uh, seeing Lupin as he's, like, trying to uh, 
the 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 MacGuffin in this episode in the the first few episodes is a an a poster for a movie that I guess has like a treasure map on on the back of it. Um, so Lupin is trying to steal it, and then she sees Lupin and starts to remember, and it's like, ooh, what's gonna happen? But pretty much after that, they just started to just like kind of go into the whole like, oh hey, here's Lupin doing this thing, here's Lupin doing this next thing. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty fun. Um, they also, uh, retired Kiyoshi Kobayashi, who, if you do not know, uh, he was the last voice actor who has been in the Lupin series since the start. Uh, that was Jigen's voice actor. So he's like, he's finally retiring. Uh, they got they got him to do one last episode in episode zero, which was just this really sweet, really nice sort of, um, like it, it felt like a goodbye to Jigen in a way, but it was very much like Jigen's going to stick around. He's, he's thinking about retiring. He's thinking about getting out of it, but he's going to stick around. And I mean, I think the new voice actor, like obviously the new voice actor is not going to be, as memorable as Kobayashi. I mean, he's also a solid snake in the Japanese dub of that. So, you know, he, he, he's got the very distinct voice. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be different, but I still think everyone's doing a good job. Like I still, I, I especially like the current Lupin voice actor, uh, uh, Kanichi Kurita. Uh, he's, he's very good as Lupin in this. He's very fun. Um, Overall, I just think it's a very fun time. Uh, there was an episode that was written by... Uh, yes. Uh, there was an episode that was written by Mamoru Oshii. Uh, and that was a really fun episode. It mostly took place in a diner where these assassins were having a conversation with the waitress uh, while they were waiting for someone to show up so they could kill him. And that was pretty fun. Um so far, it has been a real treat. Uh, each episode has been, you know, a, fun in a different way. Uh, you know, the, the, they very much are, like, each episode does have a bit of a different vibe to it. Um, but not enough that it's like, oh, this isn't Lupin. Oh, this character isn't acting the way that they should. It, they, they, it is still consistent, but it is very much still take tackling different kinds of stories where like this story is a bit more serious and then the next episode is more of a goofy story and then the next one is more just like a fun interesting story they jump around to different i don't know if i say genres but different styles of writing and like it it flourishes in a way that you know normally you would expect to see like like I, i i some another show that i love that did this was space dandy but i feel like if for space dandy it was more visual, which is still nice. But here it is very much like here. These, these writers are having a chance to shine writing a loop on story and having that animated. And, uh, I, I think that's really cool. So right now the, the most recent episode was, is about loop on somehow getting time traveled back to like the early 1900s. And it's it's kind of it's kind of weird because it's like he kind of it might be like another dimension maybe where like maybe he existed earlier in that dimension because like he shows up and he's like like Zenigata's there but he's like a 1910s detective 
Fujiko's there, but she's like 1910s Fujiko. It's it's you know it, it's it's weird because it's it's very much supposed to be like oh he still existed like you know they they know him as Lupin, but he's also not the same Lupin that they know. Which it's a two parter, so I guess we'll figure out exactly how it's going down in the next part. But I've been having consistent fun watching it every episode, and I, you know, I still really, I, I will always love Lupin stuff. I got, I gotta watch the older stuff too, though, because you know, I still enjoy that. You know, for for how it's aged, there's pro, there's definitely some some bad stuff in there, but I still think overall it is still a fun time, and it's still worth checking out. Um, so yeah, I I I definitely have to be a, a full on loop on head. I gotta I gotta go out of my way. Discotech keeps licensing like every fucking movie, so mm-hmm. that's definitely something that like, you know, when when that shit goes on sale for like Black Friday or whatever, I'm probably just gonna be like, all right, here comes the loop on train. I'm gonna get a shit ton of loop on because like they did all the movies, they're doing all the series too. Like they've even been licensing the recent series. Like I think they did part four and part five recently, so. You can get like all of Lupin on Blu-ray because of Discotech. <laughs> Those people are doing some real, some real work. I mean, they're they're doing fucking Gunbuster too. Did you see that too, Rose? I did see that. Yeah, yes. so I'm glad go. that it's finally fucking somewhere. Yeah, it will exist, and yeah, th- I mean that's something I'm gonna buy absolutely. I gotta I gotta get fucking Gunbuster. I want to watch that on like a nice big screen sometime. My big takeaway with this stuff is, like, I appreciate that they're licensing it, and that's great and all. Because mm-hmm. um, they, they also put in the work, obviously. Like, yeah, I 100%. mean, like, like Discotech, it, like, they, they are the Criterion Collection of anime. Like, they put in so much effort yeah. to be, like, yeah, we are, like, uprising this. Like, they, 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 like, saved Project Echo. you know? They, they found, like, the mm-hmm. entirety of a lost dub for like ninja robots and shit like that. Like they do a lot of fucking work and I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. But, but what I was going to say is at the same time, I do, I do really wish that we could live in a society where this just happened normally. Yeah. A library of Congress type deal doing this. Yeah. But such is the way. Mm -hmm. Um, so John, you're going to get loop hilled. Yeah. Oh, buddy, I'm I, I've I've been looped yeah, already. Yeah, I'm yeah. fucking living the looping life up in here. Um. So, uh, update for I, I said this last time on the last time podcast that the Hitman Isekai would be a lot more fun if it would stop with the um, like weird bits that it does sometimes towards women characters and stuff like that. Uh, only gotten worse in this regard <laughs> basically like it's hard to take seriously the the last arc has was basically entirely about like hey you know slavery and Uh-oh. like uh things related to that and talking about assault in a very serious way and it's just like the entire time all i could think of is like you can't say this dude like, you made redo of Healer, right? Like, you can't, like, per- like, it's very uncomfortable because it's just, like, they're they're clearly doing it in a serious way and portraying it as bad, however, obviously still drawing everything really hornily. Oh, uh, yeah. Gross, and that's the problem right. you always run into. 
um, like, honestly, I'm at the stage where it's just like, can, like, we just get to the part where they're like planning assassinations? Cause, like, has that, that not happened fun. yet? No, they were for a bit. No, they were doing like a lot of assassin training stuff for a okay. bit, and doing a lot of little fun gimmicks. The fun, the fun thing that I like deriving joy out of Isekai, where it's like they do like this long, elaborate explanation of this incredibly mundane thing. Um, but then it's just been nonstop, like, here's women's suffering or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just like, I, I just, I, I really think that if you're going to be making a light novel or a manga or an anime with women in it and you're a dude, you need, like, a woman who has a gun and she <laughs> can point it at you while you're writing and she goes <laughs> over the draft. Um, I think that's what needs to happen. Like, straight up. Because this is just classic stuff like a man doesn't think about it at all and they just use their own experience to uh, try to convey something. But their limited point of view and belief systems and um, other such things get in the way. Um, Because it's very frustrating because I I, I genuinely think this is a fantastic and funny idea for a show. Like the idea of like just an old hitman being reincarnated as a hitman. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and how he would take advantage of the tools and the environment to, in his new life or whatever, mix it with the old. I think that's fun. It's just like, right now it really is just like, man, come on. Um, but yeah, uh, that's like all I've been watching recently. I've watched a lot of other stuff. Um, I... I I probably wouldn't recommend this one, I think, out of all the things I've watched, just because, like I said, the content is just so severe, genuinely. Like, they show so much of the bad stuff um, in that last episode, especially, that it's just, like, I can't, like, be like, yeah, it's fine. Even if, like, it has good parts, it's, like, I cannot, <laughs> in good conscience, recommend it. Uh, which, I wish that happened less. I have to be real with you. Like, I've been thinking recently about how much I love Monogatari and all the great stuff that happens in Monogatari over time, but then I have to think about the specter of Nisei Monogatari sitting there. Uh, It's just like, man, why can't you be normal? Like, really? Why why can't you just be normal? Um, Speaking of, I guess, too normal... uh, you were talking about the cosmonaut show LV. That is not normal. I, I, I do it's not, not normal? I do not well, know what you're... Not, oh, oh, well... You were saying it's not premi- insane the, enough the, Well, the premise time, is not but, normal, but it acts too yeah. normal in the vein of, like, right. yeah, anime, exactly I right. think. Um, <laughs> so, what you were just alluded to is Irina the Vampire Cosmonaut, or Irena. I don't... I'm not sure. I think it's Irena, technically. Um, or it's even more insane title... Um, which they chose to not um, use because they're cowards. Uh, the moon, Laika, and the blood-sucking princess uh, <laughs> is translated from the original Japanese title based on a light novel series that is still ongoing. The premise is, what if the Cold War space race had vampires? Now. Great premise, I have to say. <laughs> Now, I mean, you know, you know, like, like textual vampires, yes. not the vampires of capitalism. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. And certainly not, um, 
energy vampires. No. Um, <laughs> now, yes, we're in the Cold War. But the thing is, these countries are not named Russia and USA. Russia is called the Republic, the Federal Republic of the Zernitra Union. Uh, and the United States is called the United Kingdom of Arnak. So the U.S. is U.K., <laughs> and UK, the hey. USSR is U, 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 uh, Z, I don't know, so there's a Z there. Uh, <laughs> and the series starts off with the dispatch of Laika, the dog, infamously who was sent to space and died, except the dog is named Mary or Molly. And at, at first blush, it, it succeeded in this weird AU of the Cold War, except, no, they reveal at the end of the first episode, like, no, the dog fucking died. So absolutely baffling oh. to me that they decide to not make the dog live this time in this fictional universe. Oh, no. But nonetheless. <laughs> so that's what the dog doing. <laughs> the dog still died in this AU where they could have made things different. But yes, they start off explaining the basically their version of the Leica mission where not russia because it's no is your whatever um the z union or something um is competing with not us the uk um uh in terms of like oh we're gonna send living beings to space who's gonna you know like as 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 what has happened in actual history um and not russia has decided you know what we fucking killed a dog, so we're not going <laughs> to risk humans. <laughs> Bro, what? we fucking killed a dog. A dog. <laughs> killed we killed a dog. a dog. Holy shit. And again, like, like as per real life, no one, the general public was not aware of that until years later. Like, holy shit, the Soviet Union fucking killed a dog in, in pursuit of space tech. Um, so instead, why not? We're, instead of we're going to, you know, but we really want to get humans up there in space. Uh, we're, we gotta fucking beat the shit out of the U.S. We do not want them to do it first, you know? And it makes a whole joke about how, like, which, again, I think actually has happened in history where the U.S. has all these failed experiments trying to send rockets and just bombastically failing at them. While, again, Russia seemed like it was, like, again, Soviet Union at the point, it seemed like they were, like, accelerating technology at a much faster rate compared to the U.S. Um... And in this case, the not Russia is like, you know what? We're not gonna tr we're not gonna risk putting humans out there yet. We got vampires. There are vampires <laughs> in Russia. They are real. Let's just get some vampires. They don't give a shit. We're and they just do that. <laughs> All right. And then they get this. Yeah. And then so this this milk toast main character. What's his name? His name is Lev. His name is Lev Leps. Which I don't know if that's a real Russian name. Oh my god. His name is Lev. Um, and he's assigned to this weird confidential project that, yes, the, the, the government's doing. He's a government worker or something of some degree. And he's like, okay, sure. And he's assigned to like, yeah, this project where we're going to test out launching a vampire into space secretly because they don't want to risk humans. <laughs> and it's like, okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> all right. And. Okay, yeah, and it starts off, like, reasonable, where he's, like, thinking, he's like, what the fuck? Why? So, I don't know, in this universe, it's assumed vampires are real. I don't know, I'm not that far into it yet. I haven't gone past, like, the first three episodes yet, where are vampires existing in other countries? Are there American vampires? Like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, as far as I know, vampires are real and exist in Russia, and 
at least the government knows they exist. I don't know if the general public knows they exist. But yes, government got some vampires. Lev is now assigned to, like, to deal with this one vampire girl who, I guess, well, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure if she got kidnapped or she volunteered. She seems okay. She, she probably volunteered herself. She probably signed a waiver. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so, like, yeah, you, you got to oversee this girl and, like, kind of be her handler doing all this stuff. And you're going to, like, do tests with her as a human and, and like, to compare to all that. Um, and, yeah, he has reasonable fears about it. It's like, holy shit, this girl's going to fucking kill me. Don't vampires drink blood? What is, like, you know, what's the deal? Um, as far as the episodes have that I've seen so far, like, it seems like it all take place at night, so I, I guess they're being accurate to that, but then the girl reveals that some, the vampire girl reveals, Irina, she reveals, like, no, actually, vampires don't suck blood anymore, we got over that, we're civilized, it's like, what the fuck, okay, <laughs> she's not, alright, um, but again, Lev, the main character is still, like, um, I still fucking afraid of this girl. Like they have a they have a test where they're like she's they're making her run on track to see how far she can run, and she's running really fast. And they make Lev also run with her to compare to human speed with her, and he just envisions her like chasing her him down, like and like gonna eat her, eat him, and like eat like bite at his neck and just jump in. And that doesn't happen. She's like, no, I'm normal. What's wrong with you? Um, so it's like, what's the fucking point? She's not actually acting like a traditional vampire. I, she just, she's just, I guess, cute and has teeth, sure, and she has red eyes, and maybe can't be exposed to daylight. So far, I don't know. Not so they're doing yet. like vampire microaggressions against these, like what? The fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this, yeah. This guy is being racist against her, essentially. Like he's like, oh shit. She's like, yeah. So anyway, he's dealing with that, and yeah, but then yeah, like. And this batshit, like, AU history, like, thing it's got going on where, yeah, the space race is still happening in the background. Because, again, that's the whole point of it. They're, 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 they're gonna send this girl to space, this vampire to space. Um, and you got, like, not Gorbachev, but it's supposed to be Gorbachev who was running the Soviet Union at this point. In time. They didn't, I, I was so pissed off. They didn't even put his scar on his head, which is what he's known for. I don't know what the fuck's going on there. Uh, yeah, and, like, again, they keep alluding to weird, like, vague things that maybe happened in Soviet Ru in Russia at that point in time. Like, oh, wow, we're doing weird, secretive things. And they're not really showing, again, also the American side, which, again, was a pivotal, like, dynamic in this whole point in history whatever so i don't know if we're gonna stay in the russian perspective for a long time but my point is yes it, it, nothing about it feels russian like they have they, they put like it's interesting they're, they're the way the show is presented to is like whenever they talk about things like oh yeah the dog being sent to space like they, they pr try to present it like newsreel clips where it's like they have like japanese captions on it as if it's like, oh, this was like an old film that was shown to international audiences, so we had to translate because it was originally Russian or something, or whatever they call their Russian language in this fictional universe. Um, but yeah, another blatant example of like bizarre, misinformed take on like how Europe is like in general. And there, there's nothing about this that feels like actually like historically researched. 1950s Russia or just Eastern Europe at all. Like, none of these characters feel Russian. None of them, like, act, they just all act like anime tropes, like character, you know, again, an example of, like, the Milktoast main character. He's a Milktoast main character. Um, the vampire girl, again, why doesn't she suck blood? Maybe it becomes an issue later on. There's, like, moments where she, like, 
you know, she feels like that moment of virality, like it, it says at some point she's going to regress to, I don't know. She mentions like how, yeah, she, the only time she had sucked blood was blood was through like a coming of age ceremony or something like that. <laughs> um, so that might come into play because there's a whole thing going on where she feels very competitive. She's like, no, I'm going to survive this whole thing. I'm going to, I just want to, I'm going to survive all, all these tests. And they're like, the past couple episodes I've seen, they're just putting her through all these stress tests to see how she will endure things. And again, it's, it's it's just it's just falling to cliches of like okay the main character who's afraid of her at first is realizing he might like her you know that's what I feel like it's gonna turn into that's what this is you know that's what that pairing is he's like afraid of her but then he's gonna learn to understand her on this assignment and he, he's gonna like he's gonna start feeling bad when she starts getting hurt and like oh wow oh god she's gonna what if she actually will fucking die if they send her to space like what the hell um and i don't want to do that i you know like is he gonna risk his job and probably get killed by the government or something you know like to to, to like protect this vampire girl you know it's not it's not really doing anything like more interesting i think it could go more batshit with its weird au setting but it, again going back to the problem that it's not really being specific about the cultural setting that it's trying to fictionalize it just it just i feel like if this was pitted in our original setting or even just japan Moder- like it would still feel the same i would feel no difference beyond, beyond the fact that they have vaguely re- vague references to actual historical figures and russian occasionally being on the screen <laughs> cyrillic being on the screen occasionally i don't know if actually proper russian um and yeah it just need it just needs to be more deranged it's like it's deranged when in how i describe it but it actually does not feel deranged when i end up watching it uh-huh. as it's progressing beyond the first episode it was like damn wow okay that's really weird but then a second episode onwards it just again feels like the dynamic i'm describing that we see a lot in this these rom-com kind of scenarios where it's like oh uh, one character misunderstands the other character, but then they grow closer to them, and then they're at risk of something bad happening. Like, oh no, they realize they love this character. That's what that's doing, really. You know, and I don't know if it's going to go any further than that. I just really want to know if there are vampires in other countries, and I don't know if I will get that from this. <laughs> if I do, well, then thank you, I guess. But like I said, not to like, not to like generalize a format, which is what light novels are. But like I said, this is based on a light novel. And yeah, it very much feels like a kind of self-insert fantasy of like, yeah, what if I had a vampire GF, you know, like this is what this, yeah, what if? <laughs> this is. But then also I'm going to set it in like the a fictionalized version of the Cold War. Sure. Uh, but then not do anything with that, you know, not do anything actually mm-hmm. inquisitive with like unpacking some weird things you can do with like, you know, intertwining paranormal stuff with actual history and like just just going goofy with it, right? Um, yeah, so I don't know. I'm I'm gonna follow it along. It, it it has the potential to get even more weirder and just unhinged. But so far, it just it's just it just quickly, it quickly just subdued itself as like okay, it's just it's the it's the whole rom com thing, you know, with a weird setting that it's not taking advantage of more. I hope that the U.S. side has like werewolves and stuff. They have werewolves. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Twilight. Just <laughs> yeah, up in that. But, that but would also, make more sense. St- yeah. it it is still a chance to be able to ask what the dog doing. No. Mm. <laughs> they can't send the werewolves to space. The dog died. I think that. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, they- you've already proven. <laughs> no, they're but gonna send the werewolves time- to space to show that they can do it better than. That's what I mean. Yeah, but at this point in time, dog, the U.S. Die. does not know the dog died yet. I don't. I, I don't recall oh, how many God, years yeah. later when the they find out. Like, oh, like, it has to get declassified. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they might send the werewolves. Like, um, 
I I feel like uh, this is just my conjecture. This could be completely untrue. I feel like perhaps a lot of the like examination of the themes and stuff is left in the light novel. Uh huh. Probably because that happens so often with this stuff. Right. Um, having read more light novels recently, where it's like. The light novel just does not shut the fuck up about its setting nonstop. Oh, and yeah. It keeps going off. Uh, especially and then you get when it to comes to the show and it's just like. Right. Uh, like, just like, yeah. like, based on the translations of a lot of light novels where I think they, they, they need to, some of them are not like refined enough where I think they translate too accurately and like it reveals that density of the narration a lot. And like, oh God, wow, they really go into it and the author really does know what they're talking about. So, yeah, I don't know if that's the case here where there actually is more historical subtext and stuff like delved into in this, in the books. But yeah, the way the anime feels at this point, it's, it just feels like, oh yeah, it's it's just a it's just a romance thing. Like sure, okay, <laughs> mm. like it's easy, easy to fall into genericism. But yeah, for sure, I don't know for sure. Like the source material actually like unpacks the weirdness it can do, the weirdness it can go further into in terms of like vampires are real and, and here's here's what they're what's going on with them in history, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, are are we good? calling it there yeah, i think so Would that being all right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. all right um do we have any anything we don't have any other questions okay i was gonna see if the one from last time was there uh alas it's not it's fine um yeah you know anime uh we're back on it now um we're all we're all here the now band. yeah so yeah, uh, we'll get back to it. Um, so, um, next time on the podcast, we're going to talk about Common Rider Build, which is not actually an anime. <laughs> My bad, of. but it's pretty close, honestly. <laughs> Look what happens when I'm not here. Yep. Yeah, listen, I threatened it for months. <laughs> Maybe I could get away with it. Yeah. No, no rebuttal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, as always, I think some of those episodes are on YouTube, but really you can just find it from a subgroup. I recommend, I was telling John, I recommend OZC Live. Those guys are usually good. Um, and yeah, uh, it is good shit, in my opinion. It is an insane program. Um, yeah, uh, as always, you can get up to the show one week early. Not Common Rider Build, this podcast. <laughs> uh, by going to patreon.com slash VGCC. $3 a month gets you all episodes one week early. Um, yeah, that about does it. Anyone got any final words or do I just kill this thing? I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to hear all y'all's voices. I'm happy to, you, that you're here. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy that you're back. Mm-hmm. It certainly makes us feel more balanced out. Um, yeah, because I get to talk about all the monster shit, the children's shows. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, the children's shows. Don't at least be, that dog's gone. Don't be a freak. She's dead. She's gone forever. She's gone forever until she shows up in a movie in ten years. And they decide to <laughs> randomly reference Ceiling uh, But yeah, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Unlimited Real Works out here, and you're out there. Bye. <laughs> Sí,